0: Hi, everybody, this is Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Got back from Rome, Italy. We were on a ship two weeks ago in Rome, Italy last week, now at our home base. And Steve Allred at the controls as we welcome you to the next 90 minutes of information that will help you understand the times in which we are living. This weekend, we're going to be at the Lakeview Baptist Church. As soon as the broadcast is over, we go out to join Al Jackson and all of his fine people. We'll be there all day Sunday, starting at 9.30 in the morning, 6 p.m. in the evening, the last service, and then a service on Monday evening as well. And keep the dial set right where it is as we go through the next 90 minutes. It's going to be very important on this special edition of Prophecy Today. Now we bring to these microphones our first broadcast partner on the program today, a special edition of Prophecy Today, looking at the results of the presidential election and the re-election of Barack Obama. Ken Timmerman was a candidate for the United States Congress there in Maryland. And uh, I was telling him just before we went on the air, I've been there, I've done that, And I also had the same result. I lost when I ran in 1976, but I do believe, Ken, God, as he had for me great things in the future outside of being elected to the Congress of the United States, and that would have been a a very powerful position for you to have, and I'm sure you would have made a great impact there in Washington. But I am so convinced that the the talents, uh, the gifts that God has given you can be used uh, to reach beyond that congressional district there in Maryland. and Let's uh, get uh, to the task at hand, and that's your analysis of uh, some of the things that uh, are happening in our world, geopolitical activities. First of all, let me just get your reaction, your thoughts about the Obama re-election.
1: Well, uh, clearly, uh, all of us who were on the Republican side misjudged the mood in the nation, and uh, we we thought that there would be an overwhelming uh, uh, upsurge in support for romney and in fact just the opposite the obama people managed to get their vote out in huge numbers um and won convincingly i think across the country uh, so we misjudge the mood of the nation and there seems to be a willingness uh, amongst uh, uh, a slim majority majority of americans to move towards a more socialist economy with central planning and um increased government control uh, over every aspect of our daily lives. I think this is a tragic development, um, and I have lived in a socialist country in Europe for 18 years, and I've seen the result of that. It's chronic high unemployment and low growth rates, and I fear that that is what is in store for us here in America.
0: You know, what was interesting to me, and you were talking about a misjudgment on our parts, that's an editorial hour, uh, but men like Rush Limbaugh, Dick Morris, uh, Mike Barone, who is a very, very talented thinker, uh, Fred Barnes and others who are political pundits in the conservative realm, uh, they misjudged the whole thing as well, did they not?
1: Well, that's, that's what I meant when I say our misjudgment uh, on the Republican side. We all of us misjudge this. And, uh, you know, there's still, there still is a potential for a certain amount of voter fraud around the country, it's unclear how that might have been perpetuated. Uh, we're looking in my district at problems with these electronic voting machines. Uh, when you have a series of voting machines that turn up zero votes for Republicans, I think uh, you know there is cause for concern.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that does need to be looked into. Well, let's get to some of the geopolitical activities. Pentagon reporting that Iran uh, sent their aircraft into. Uh, the area of uh, the Persian Gulf that was in international waters and shot at one of our unmanned aircraft, the drone that was flying out there in international waters, not in the confines of the waters of Iran, their responsibility. Uh, Is that not an act of war? What do you think about that, and why was it not reported sooner?
2: Well,
1: the Pentagon clearly did not want this to come out uh, before the uh, November 6th election and uh, kept that news from the media. Uh, It's unclear to me, Jimmy, as I look at this story, whether the U.S. drone had actually penetrated Iranian airspace was coming out, or whether it was flying alongside that uh, border, the international 12-mile limit, or whatever it was. But interesting that uh, the Iranians would send an Su-25, which is a ground attack aircraft, uh, against uh, the drone and and shoot at it. Of course, these drones fly very high up in the air. The the Sukhoi-25 is not a high-altitude fighter, it is a ground-attack support aircraft. So I'm not surprised that they missed. Uh, But nevertheless, it shows that uh, some of the stealthy characteristics that uh, we have touted so much in these uh, these new generation of Sentinel and other drones, uh, they might not be so stealthy after all, especially not that the Iranians have downed one, they downed one last year, uh, seized it and have uh, clearly shared the secrets of that drone with the Russians and the Chinese.
0: What about, uh, and last time we talked together, you had a lot of information about the Benghazi attack, how that was uh, uh, really a success for the radical terrorist element there in Libya, and how our administration had failed miserably on the situation. Where do we go from here on that?
1: Well, I think this could turn into Obama's Watergate. Uh, Remember, in Watergate, nobody died. In Benghazi-gate, you had the death of four American citizens. It appears that there was live video footage uh, into the Situation Room as the attack was going on, and that somebody gave the order to stand down and not to go to the rescue of our four people in Benghazi. Uh, There are going to be congressional hearings, a whole slew of them coming up next week. High-ranking officials, including Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton, are being subpoenaed uh, to testify. Uh, I think that this is going to dribble on for months and months as uh, more information comes out. Uh, It will be, uh, I believe, worse than the Fast and Furious investigation as far as its impact on the Obama administration. And this is going to hang like a cloud over the first year of, uh, of the president's second term.
0: What about in that second term Where do you think Obama's going as it relates to Iran? What's his next step?
1: Well, I think he's going to double down on just about everything. I think he's going to double down on the economy. He's going to double down on taxes. He's going to double down on increasing um, uh, social control and and, uh, Obamacare and big government programs. And as as far as Iran is concerned, I think he'll double down on his policy of uh, seeking a negotiated uh, agreement with the Iranian regime, which I believe is a disaster and will take us directly to war. What, uh, it seems, what seems to be happening now, Jimmy, behind the scenes, is that um, there was some kind of deal negotiated in the month of October between uh, a U.S. emissary, apparently Valerie Jarrett, although that has not been confirmed, and uh, a top advisor to the supreme leader of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And that agreement essentially uh, uh, gave U.S. Acquies- acquiescence To Iran's ongoing uranium enrichment uh, with the notion that uh, Iran would not enrich beyond 20 percent now this is something that is totally unverifiable there's no way of making sure uh, that the Iranians won't uh, simply uh, uh, enrich in a separate facility that they've not declared and that we don't know about so you get an unverified unverifiable agreement with Iran in exchange for the United States lifting Uh, sanctions, economic sanctions, which have been put in place, or tightened up, I should say, over the past two and a half years. Uh, So the Iranians get a very clear benefit, and we get nothing that is verified or verifiable. I think it's a bad deal, and I think it will lead to war, because the Iranians will enrich, and ultimately when they get the arsenal that they are seeking,
3: they will use it.
0: And meanwhile, President Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu have somewhat of a shaky relationship, and it's essential they be on the same page. You're talking about Iran and the potential for a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Uh, These two nations, Israel and the United States, must be on the same page, should they not?
1: Well, they should, and uh, clearly there is personal animosity between uh, President Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu, but it goes beyond that. It goes way beyond that. I think it's clear from Obama's actions that he does not particularly uh, respect or acknowledge the unique nature of the state of Israel as a Jewish state. Um, he is constantly pushing for a two-state solution. You know. I, I kind of wonder my opponent in the in the Maryland's eighth congressional district was doing the same thing, and and I kind of wondered during that campaign, you know, which two states uh, are, are you really looking to preserve? Because there are four states in the region right now. There's a there's Israel is a Jewish state. There's Jordan, which is a Palestinian state, and then there's a Palestinian mini state in Ramallah and a fourth one in Gaza. So which of those four? Which two of those four are you uh, seeking to get rid of? Um, it's not clear uh, what obama's intentions are towards israel yes he has maintained the relationship the military relationship there was recently uh, joint exercises in missile defense between the u.s. and israel but there's a frost at the very top and there's not cooperation between the two leaders uh, obama uh, snubbed netanyahu when he came to the united nations uh, a couple months ago and uh, it's not clear how deep the intelligence sharing is today between the two countries i'm worried as we go forward i'm worried that Obama will put pressure on Israel to back off of its hard line towards Iran and to cut a bad deal with the Palestinians, and that he will threaten Israel by cutting off U.S. aid or worse. Uh, So I would look to this relationship. I think we're heading for uh, troubled
0: waters ahead, Jimmy. Yes, absolutely. About 30 seconds, Ken, if you will. Egypt's uh, President Morsi, one of the leaders of uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, says that the Obama win uh, should boost the friendship between the two. Man, that doesn't sound good.
1: Well, it doesn't, and Obama has consistently favored the Muslim Brotherhood, not just in Egypt, but all across the region, uh, as the desired face of Arab democracy. I think this is a a real problem, and it bodes ill for the future, uh, the spread of this kind of uh, Wahhabi-dominated, Salafi-dominated Muslim Brotherhood, a radical jihadi organization uh, in power now in Egypt. I'm worried about the peace treaty with Israel, and I'm worried about the relations with their neighbors.
0: Ken Timmerman, he looks at geopolitical activities for us right here on Prophecy Today and does an outstanding job in analyzing some of the activities we focus on in our conversations. Ken, thank you so very much. Again, sorry you lost, but uh, I'm excited that you're going to be a key player in this world in informing everybody what is actually going on and the truth behind these stories. Thank you, my good friend. Talk again soon.
1: I appreciate that, Jimmy. God bless.
0: Thank you very much, Ken. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a Middle East news update with David Dolan. That's all ahead
4: here on Prophecy Today. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation: A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy to understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation A Chronology and let Dr. Jimmy Young aid you in your understanding of this profound end times prophecy book that God has preserved in his scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy Young's Revelation A Chronology, call us toll free at 674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy Young, right here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to leave in a few moments after the broadcast is over, head down towards Auburn, Alabama. I hear there's a big football game going on down there. I think it's Auburn and Georgia. Well, I hope uh, we arrive just after the people are all seated there in the stadium so we don't run into that traffic. But we'll get there tomorrow. The game is over. The results will be in. And we're going to be at the Lakeview Baptist Church with uh, Pastor Al Jackson. Met him in a time of a trip together over in Israel. And we, you know, worked up an acquaintance. We had an opportunity to chat. He's invited us to come down. That's the Lakeview Baptist Church. It's located at 1600 East Glen Avenue. If you're listening to that area, it's Auburn, Alabama. We'd love to see you on Sunday. Tomorrow we'll be there at 930, 1045, 5 o'clock for Q&A, 6 p.m., For the evening service, and then on Monday night as well. So come along and study the prophetic Word of God with us at Lakeview Baptist Church in Auburn, Alabama. Bringing to these microphones now David Dolan, a longtime journalist in the Middle East, headquartered basically most of the time in Jerusalem. And from that vantage point, he is able to understand and give us insight into what is happening in that very key Region of this entire world, David. We have a special broadcast today, looking at the reactions around the world and in domestically here in America as well. Uh, the reaction to the result of the presidential election, Mitt Romney being defeated, uh, Barack Obama being reelected as it relates to the Israeli body politic and the government there. I'm going to be talking in just a moment with Winky Madad and go deeper into this. But just a first glance, what are your thoughts about how Israel is going to react to the re-election of Barack Obama?
5: Well, Jimmy, first I think we should look at how Israeli-American voters uh, cast their ballots in the election. And I think I pointed out before that the uh, American expat community in Israel is, I believe, the second largest in the world. I think only Mexico has a larger American uh, presence inside the country. So there were 150,000 eligible voters, American voters who are also Israeli citizens. Um, the statistics show that about 90,000 of those. Did cast their ballots, and uh, one company did a survey of 1,500 of those, or so a representative survey, and over 80% voted for the loser, Mitt Romney, and um, only 20% for President Obama. So certainly, the Israeli American vote was overwhelmingly in favor of of um, uh, Governor Romney and the Republican Party. They also, by 60%, uh, the poll showed, chose. Republican candidates for the Senate and their local congressional races back in the states, and um, so that is just one indication that um, that the Israeli people, certainly American voters there, uh, were far more hoping that uh, Romney would become president and that President Obama would be uh, leaving that office and uh, pretty much everyone agrees that that is the quiet feeling of uh, Prime Minister. Benjamin Netanyahu and many of the other Israeli leaders. Uh, they have found uh, President Obama rather difficult to work with at times. And of course, he pushed really hard for this Israeli. A building settlement uh, several years ago that nearly caused Netanyahu to lose his coalition, uh, as it had in the late 90s when another president, Clinton, pushed hard on Netanyahu then to pull out of Hebron and other things. So um, it um, uh, all those things are in everybody's memory. And of course, uh, Israel Netanyahu did force through a, uh, a building freeze. Very difficult to do that. Nearly lost his coalition, and it amounted to nothing. The Palestinians still refused to come to the peace table, uh, and uh, that whole thing lapsed. So I think it was more of a a sigh, maybe, when the election results came in amongst a majority of Israelis and government leaders. Nevertheless, America remains Israel's closest ally, a strategic partner, and what choice do they have but to swallow hard and carry on and hope for the best. Uh, But there is concern, now that he's in a second term, with no election uh, up ahead for himself personally, that the president might really uh, turn the screws on Israel.
0: You know, and I think that Prime Minister Netanyahu may well have been speaking to that issue. I'm not sure that we can say absolutely that is the case, but the prime minister did say after the re-election of President Obama uh, that Israel will attack alone, if necessary, the Iranian nuclear development program, And try to do a preemptive strike on the development of a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Is that saying anything to us when the Prime Minister of Israel comes out with that strongest statement?
5: Well, it certainly is. Although it's always been Israel's official policy that it relies on nobody else for its defense, it it will take help and aid, of course, but that ultimately they recognize nobody else but themselves can ensure their. Security and that they have to be always prepared to go it alone on any um, issue that comes up. Another statement, though, Jimmy, that was I found even more uh, pointed was from Ehud Barak, the defense minister. This got very little media coverage here in the states because we were in the final days of the campaign, and also a hurricane was hitting the east coast, so was, the news was busy with other things. But he told an Israeli paper that the Israeli air force was on full readiness to strike Iran early this year. He wasn't specific when, but he said they were ready to go, the order was just awaiting when the Iranians announced they were going to modify somewhat their uranium enrichment program and start to devote a bit more of it to medical purposes and and to uh, you know do make some changes that had been demanded. Now these are all cosmetic in most people's estimation, but nevertheless under those circumstances, Netanyahu felt, "Well, we'll wait for now, then." But Barack, Ehud Barack made the same statement that, in the end, Israel—this is exactly what he said: Israel knows how to de- defend itself by itself. So you know, both are saying that if Obama bails on them or doesn't support them in this, in this coming, uh, apparently coming. um conflict, then um, uh, Israel will still go through with it if they have to. But of course, they always state they're hoping for full world support, and that this is a world issue, as Netanyahu made clear during his Paris visit last week. Everybody has to be concerned, and the Arabs, many of the Arabs, uh, want this dealt with as much as Israel does.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, Ehud Barak, by the way, is the defense minister of a powerful position in the Israeli government. And the president... President Shimon Peres, somewhat of a figurehead position, but he speaks for the Jewish people, the people of Israel. He was in Moscow earlier this week for the dedication of somewhat of a Holocaust museum there with Vladimir Putin and uh, Perez said Iran is threatening another holocaust so they have to deal with it. But well, let me talk to you about what's happening at Israel's northern border. Syrian troops there, uh, some of the opposition uh, Israeli defense force jeep I think was hit with uh, some of uh, the uh, firing across the border there at the border with uh, Syria and the Golan Heights. What's going on up there in the north?
5: Well, this has been the concern uh, since the Syrian internal conflict began in March of um, 2011, so there's been a heightened Israeli military presence up there since then, and uh, certainly since um, they tried to or said they were going to storm over the border for a second time, the Palestinians, the Israelis, uh, reinforced the border fence. Uh, they've put in new sensors, they've put in new cameras, they've redone the roads, the patrol roads, to make them, uh, to make it easier to get to different locations if there is trouble. So this has been anticipated, but now we're starting to see this disintegrating country of uh, Syria, uh, we're starting to see that border area uh, used as some sort of attacks. Now, the, the, the fear in Israel is not that Assad would open up on the border. If he were to ever strike Israel it would probably be through Hezbollah and he would go for it full force with his missiles probably. So these little skirmishes they're thinking a lot of those are more linked to the rebel forces. And again, many of the rebel forces are Al Qaeda supporters, they're Muslim fundamentalists. It's not that they hate Assad but love Israel. They have a deep hatred for Israel and um and the fear has been all along, as Ehud Barak and others have stated, that the uh, weapons in Syria's arsenal will fall into these radical hands, just as Libyan leader Gaddafi's many of his weapons fell into Hamas' hands, including shoulder-fired anti-aircraft missiles, very deadly things. Uh, we also have reports that Turkey is bringing Patriot missiles to its southern border with Um, Syria. So all these indications, continuing indications, that the war there is growing and has the potential to just explode into a a regional conflict, and this may preempt uh, any Israeli strike on Iran, and it may be, in a sense, an opening gambit of what turns out to be that.
0: Do you think this thing's going to settle down in Syria, or is it going to intensify? Quick answer, please.
5: Uh, Assad told uh, the Russian uh, leaders this week he's not stepping down, and they back him, so why should he? Unless the United States wants a world war, uh, he's there for the long haul, and so it seems.
0: Yes, and we'll have to wait and see what President Obama is going to do in reaction to some of the statements and some of the activities going on there in Syria. David Dolan with our Middle East News Update right here on Prophecy Today. David, you're so beneficial to our listeners with your analysis of what's happening. Thank you, my good friend. Do well. You're welcome. God bless. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Winky Madad will go more into the reaction from the Israeli body politic and the leaders of Israel on the re-election of President Obama. That's all ahead here on Prophecy Today. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung right here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Steve Allred at the controls, and we're so excited for the opportunity for this special edition of Prophecy Today as we look at the reaction, not only domestically, but around the world in particular, of the re-election of President Obama. We've already heard some very interesting comments from both Ken Timmerman and David Dolan, but we're going to go now to Israel and talk with Winky Madad, longtime broadcast partner with us right here on Prophecy Today. In just a moment, I'll do that. Let me tell you right after the broadcast, Judy and I head down to Auburn, Alabama. We'll be at the Lakeview Baptist Church. I met Pastor Al Jackson in Israel. At that point in time, we talked about the possibility of me coming to the church to speak. He invited us. We're on our way down today. We'll be there all day tomorrow and Monday night as well. 9.30 tomorrow morning, we'll have a study of the Word of God, 10.45, 5 o'clock, Prophecy Q&A, 6 o'clock, an evening service, and then we'll have another evening service on Monday. We'd invite you to come out and participate with us as we study God's prophetic Word, especially in light of how the presidential elections played out just recently. But now, as promised, let's talk with Winky Madad. Winky is a longtime political observer. He worked in the political apparatus of Israel, working as an associate with one of the Knesset members. He's also been involved with the media, the Israeli media, watching it and making certain that they're telling the truth about what has taken place, and that's always important. Uh, But he's just a very brilliant man, and we always like him to come to these microphones to chat with us. Winky, uh, let me get the reaction to the re-election of President Obama, first of all, from the people of Israel, the body politic, and then what about the political officials as well? First, the people. What's their reaction to this re-election of President Obama? Well, Jimmy, let's break that down quickly
6: to two types of people. One is uh, the general Israeli population, which observed and and looked on. And I think it was, uh, I'd go for like uh, 70%, 30% were wishing that someone else other than Barack Obama would have been elected. I'm not quite sure they really know the difference between Democrats and Republicans on many other American related issues such as the economy, such as employment, such as outsourcing, uh, welfare, and these issues that of course concern Americans much more than anything else. And then there were the 20 to 30,000 Israeli Americans who voted in absentee ballots in a very large numbers, about eighty percent of them declared for Romney. so that uh, the American immigrants to Israel, really turned around and voted for a non-Democratic Party representative. Uh, And as we do know, American Jews more or less hold being a member of the Democratic Party as as well as being Jewish.
0: Now let me interrupt you just for a second, Winky, because this was another question I was going to ask. According to reports here and uh, those who do the statistics on this type of thing, they say that 69% of the Jewish voters here in America actually voted for President Obama. If you've talked about the numbers you have there in Israel, uh, why is it a different situation among the Jewish community in America?
6: Uh, There's probably a long explanation. Let me make it short. One, Jews have always been, historically speaking, what we would call in America liberal, but with a small L. Being a minority, it's always better to have people who uh will guard minorities, give people the freedom of religion, the freedom of expression, the freedom of assembly, which Jews in Europe especially were not actually getting for say the past two hundred years, during which time many of the Jews of Europe came over to America. The other side of that is once Jews come over to Israel and they see the reality of the hostility, the need for support for Israel as a democracy and the Jewish state, and not getting it from either Europe or other elements within the American system, they all their political alliances will switch. They could be very liberal in Israel but looking back at America, they would like a little bit more help in terms of military, security, economics, etc., and they don't understand how Americans do not see the foreign policy issues as they really are.
0: Okay, now let me get your reaction, or the reaction of the political leaders of Israel. For example, President uh, Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu haven't heed and hawed together like uh, they probably should. Is Netanyahu going to have a tougher time with the re-election of Obama? And what about the other political elected officials in Israel? What are their thoughts?
6: Well, the answer to that, of course, is with Obama. Uh, You mentioned my work on monitoring the media, and I can tell you that the story over the past day and a half, of course, has been that Netanyahu, our prime minister, supported Romney, and therefore he's now in trouble. Well, you'd be very far, uh, hard-pressed to actually find a statement, which was never made, that said, I support Romney. So basically, the media is interpreting Mr. Netanyahu, hanging him out to dry, as we could say, uh, painting on him the, uh, the target, and just asking for America to shoot the arrows, uh, which is not very fair. The other answer to that is... I would suggest that Mr. Obama is not an a, 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 um, ignorant person or a person who's not rational. Uh, and he's seen for the past four years uh, his policies, or I should say better, his postures towards Israel cost him maybe eight or more percent of the Jewish vote. And if it continues like that, in another four years, a Democratic candidate, especially if it may be... Mrs. Hillary Clinton, who was with him as Secretary of State, is going to get even less of the Jewish vote. So it would behoove him to sort of like uh, uh, even keel here and see what he can do better to improve relations with Israel, especially since we have, of course, in the background, Iran.
0: Yes, absolutely. And speaking of Iran, talk to me about the effect that there may be as a result of President Obama being reelected, with the possibility of an Israeli preemptive strike on the nuclear operation there in Iran.
6: Well, I'm not going to guess about preemptive strikes. What I can sort of point to with a little bit more confidence is that if Mr. Obama now seeks to engage one of his favorite political terms with Iran— And if he has indeed uh, given his blessing to someone by the name of Valerie Jarrett, I think is her name, who I do not think is any outstanding professor of political science or a diplomat of the standing of a Henry Kissinger to do that, then he's just undone the last year and a half of sanctions, which Israel has worked so hard to get into place. The Iranians will simply take advantage of talks, as they did in the past Half a dozen years, whether with Europe, whether with the uh, United Nations Committee on Nuclear Energy and the International Agency, and just continue. I don't think that would be very smart. And it's not only a question of Israel. We now know that Iran is the new totalitarian threat to the Western world and the United States. It will not stop in the Middle East. And just as the America had to come into the war in, 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 in World War II and had to deal uh, with Iraq, and before that, uh, deal with the Soviet Union. These issues are not going to stop at the shores. Or I think, If I remember my American history well, Jimmy, as George Washington said, these foreign entanglements, they come closer nowadays, and it would behoove Mr. Uh, Barack Obama to get a little bit more in line with Israel Stop coming down on us on issues of the Jewish communities in in Judea and Samaria, which we proved is not an issue for Arab peace negotiations, and get on with the business of making the world safe, not only for uh, us here in the Middle East, but for Americans all over the world including ambassadors in places like Benghazi.
0: Winky Madad, a man involved in Israeli political activities for a number of years, also watching the media very closely, a journalist as well, and he has helped us to understand how the Israeli body politic and the political leaders of Israel are reacting today to the re-election of President Obama. Winky, thank you very much for your insights. We're going to have to watch this closely over the next couple of months and next four years in reality, but we'll get back to you and have conversations as well. Thank you, my good friend. We'll talk again real soon.
6: Jimmy, thank you, and thanks to the listeners.
0: Very interesting conversation with Winky Madad, getting his insight to the reactions from the Israeli officials as it relates to President Obama's re-election and whether there's going to be some type of bitterness, because it did seem like Prime Minister Netanyahu was favoring Mitt Romney in the presidential election. Well, you heard what our good friend Winky Madad had to say. We have another good friend who is a broadcast partner with us right here on Prophecy Today. His name is Itamar Marcus. He is the director of Palestinian Media Watch. Their website palwatch.org. P-A-L-W-A-T-C-H.org. You need to put that in your bookmarks, one of your favorites, and be able to go there to look and see what the Palestinian media is really saying. And in fact, when you go to the website, you can sign up for an email alert that Itamar or one of his team members will send out to you when there is something of importance you need to know about what the Palestinian media is is actually seen. Well, normally we catch Itamar in Israel. This time he's out in Beverly Hills, California. And Itamar, before we went on the air, we were talking about what you are doing in the United States, particularly there in Beverly Hills. Talk to us and let us know what your mission is for coming here to the United States out to California.
3: Well, we've been finding that um, on university campuses there is a tremendous amount of uh, demonization of Israel and, and hate promotion of Israel. There's a group out here called Stand With Us that invites a few hundred uh, university students from around the country who are activists for Israel uh, to get together and, and learn about what's really going on and and, and, and be uh, given the, the tools and the information that they need in order to actually defend Israel and, and explain to other people on campus, even their professors and their lecturers, what the real impediments to peace are, and that, in fact, Israel is the one who's, who's working for peace, and it's the other side who's not. So this is something I do actually yearly, and in addition, I'll be speaking at uh, different universities around the United States.
0: Boy, that's a great opportunity for you to be here in the United States and inform people, people who need to know and really want to know what the Palestinian media is saying. You do that for legislative bodies like the United States Congress, the Parliament, throughout all of the European Union states. You do it for us here on Prophecy Today, and we're so appreciative of what you and your team are doing. Well, we're calling to talk about on this special edition of Prophecy Today... The reaction, and we want to focus with you on the Palestinian people. First of all, first blush, how did the Palestinians react to the re-election of President Obama?
3: I think it's mostly um, cautious optimism from them. They certainly did not want um, uh, Romney because uh, he was someone who was seen as very, very pro-Israel. He was the one who said, for example, that settlements are legal, which is, of course, correct. And they didn't like that. Um, I say cautious optimism because they were very, very optimistic when Obama was elected the first time, when he had said what he had, uh, and they were sure that he was going to twist Israel's arm and, and force a uh, Palestinian state on the 67 uh, ceasefire lines on Israel. And when that didn't happen, they were disappointed. So they're not thrilled because uh, they want someone who's going to uh, pressure Israel into things that Israel can't accept. On the other hand, they're certainly satisfied uh, that it wasn't uh, Mick Romney because they they feel that they have a friend, even if he's not using his power uh, the way they would like it.
0: I know that in the last election, or should I say the first election of uh, President Obama to that position, Barack Obama, I've been reading some reports and I want to see if you can verify them. Uh, that there were secret talks between the Obama administration, maybe not the president himself, but some of his underlings, and some of the leadership in the Palestinian body politic uh, that said he would, uh, in his second term, if reelected, would come to the table and assist the Palestinians, uh, not only in their UN bid, but in the peace process as well. Do you know anything about that?
3: Well, that would certainly be something that... Um uh, Obama would be happy to tell them because it, he's almost said that openly, and I I do I do fear that um, uh, Obama might uh, try to impose certain things on Israel um, based on certain misperceptions uh, and not enough information about what really the the, the true impediments for peace are. When I mentioned earlier that university students don't have all the information and, and, and don't understand the source, we are finding that when we go to parliaments around the world, meet with people in the administration. They likewise don't have a real picture of what's happening and, and who's responsible for the impasses and, and why we don't have peace. So uh, it, it's very likely that um, President Obama th- might have a more simplistic view of, uh, of what the problems are. And uh, if he does, then uh, unfortunately it might just lead to further impasses.
0: You know, itamar mostly... When I ask you questions, you give me factual information, absolute tangible evidence of what the Palestinian media, both electronically and print-wise, is saying. I want to ask somewhat for your opinion and analysis of the questions I'm going to deal with, and from your background, from your knowledge of all going on, uh, let me see what answer you may give me to the fact that uh, the Palestinians are scheduled to make a bid for at least... uh, now, maybe not statehood recognition, but higher recognition than they have today at the United Nations. How do you think that the Obama re-election will affect that?
3: I, I think the Palestinians are going to do it in a stages way. They're going to try to do little small increments so that each change isn't seen as, uh, as as big a jump as it was before. And I think they're going to try to go at this point with, in fact, they've said this openly in, the, in their press, that they're going to try to get the this um, non, uh, non-UN member state recognition, and they're going to ignore the non-UN member, and they're going to focus on state recognition. And then they're going to tell the world, we are now the Palestinian state. They will stop using the term Palestinian authority. They will start using the term Palestinian state even more than they do today. They'll celebrate their statehood. They'll try to create this momentum of statehood. And then they figure over the next three years, while Obama's still in president, then they'll go to the U.N. again and say, okay, we've been a state already for two or three years. Come on, why don't you recognize us now? That's the way they're going to do it. Uh, they've talked about doing this. And, of course, the, the real problem here is they want the U.N. to recognize them as a non-member state on the 67 ceasefire lines, which means the, the Temple Mount, which means the Western Wall. All of this will then be recognized by the U.N., as occupation, and that's what they want. They want to be able to say that the Western Wall is in Palestine, in the state of Palestine, and that if Jews pray there, uh, it's an occupation. Next stage is any Jew or Israeli or even a foreign tourist who would be uh, attacked and hurt or killed by Palestinian violence, they will justify it saying it's occupied and therefore you go to Jerusalem, you are going to to a place that's occupied, and therefore you, you are, um, you're not a victim, but you're part of the problem. So this is what I anticipate. It's going to be small steps, but uh, that's the Palestinian plan. Do it small steps at a time.
0: And along that same line, the peace process between the Israelis and the Palestinians, do you believe that the Obama administration now will move to try to get that restarted, kickstart it maybe, and get it back in at least the talking stages?
3: Well, I think it's going to be one of uh, Obama's goals. It's going to be very hard because the Palestinian Authority is going to be waiting and hoping for unilateral concessions by Israel, for Israel to give in to ridiculous demands that they've been uh, demanding all along. Um, So I'm not sure he'll even succeed. I I don't think he'll really succeed in getting this uh, this peace process started, Uh, given also the fact that the United States has serious, serious economic issues. Serious internal divide that he is going to have to be dealing with, and I don't believe he's going to be able to put as much effort uh, into pressuring Israel as uh, as he may like to. And I'll just even point out one more thing: the really, really urgent issue now in the Middle East is not the Palestinian issue. The issue is Iran and nuclear weapons. So I think the Palestinian issue for them, and we read it in their press, that that's all they see. But for the world and for the United States, I think there are much more important issues out there right now.
0: Itamar Marcus, he heads up Palestinian Media Watch. Palwatch.org is their website address. And Go there, find out more information about the issues we've been discussing here today. And uh, Itamar, thank you so very much. I am going to hope and pray that you have a very successful uh, journey across America on the university campuses and their meeting with the university students in California as you try to help them understand the truth about what is happening between the Israelis and the Palestinians in that conflict. Thank you, my good friend. We'll talk again real soon.
3: Thanks very much.
0: Itamar Marcus does an invaluable service to not only the people of Israel, but indeed to all of us who focus on what's happening in that part of the world so that we can each and every one know exactly what the Palestinian media is really saying, not what the propaganda is telling us, but what are they really saying? Well, praise the Lord for Itamar Marcus. But we also praise the Lord for all of our broadcast partners. One of them is Dr. Rob Congdon. He looks and focuses on the European Union, the entire continent of Europe, because that is a key region of the world when we look into the future. Rob, would you not agree with that statement before I even ask you any questions? What you focus on is key for us understanding God's plan for the future.
2: I think it is. Clearly, when we look at the scriptures, it is speaking about Europe and the Mediterranean, and so, of course, we need to focus in there.
0: Well, let's uh, go ahead and ask you the question that I've been approaching each and every one of our broadcast partners with, uh, the results of the re-election of President Obama as it relates to the European Union, their response, their reaction to it.
2: Their response is quite positive. Um, They see him as a president who is thinking along the same lines that they are uh, in in each area. They see him militarily, financially, politically right aligned with their view of where they want to see Europe go. So uh, this is, of course, a a cause for their celebration. Uh, They're happy with it. They are uh, a little disappointed, they said, in what had happened. Overall, they speak about the last four years, but uh, they typically tend to blame that on obstructionists rather than recognizing that it's the, the direction is a different culture than the American culture. And so uh, they're happy, though, overall.
0: Well, and I have made that same statement, that uh, since their political philosophy is in lockstep with President Obama, This, in their opinion, I would have to believe, only says to them, hey, this is a way to accomplish our agenda for the future. We now have the leader of the free world on our side. We know that for sure, at least for the next four years, so we can move ahead. I think a commentary to that was the headline coming out of Paris, France, and it was just a big yes. You know how when you pump your fist and say (laughs) yes, they were excited about this situation. Uh, Let me just ask you in advance of the other questions I want to direct to you, and we always seemingly talk about Bible prophecy when you and I have a conversation. Uh, What has happened and what they're thinking is there in the leadership of the European Union seemingly is setting the stage better than we've ever seen it set before for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy.
2: As you continually see, almost weekly, we see more hints that uh, it's reinforcing the very things that if we, and we have sort of projected from the scriptures what would be characteristics of those end time scenarios uh the EU seems to be on a path that's clearly leading in that direction and uh, so, yes, it's 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 something to be watched each week and to see how it seems to match up with those characteristics. As you said, those people who study prophecy, they've developed a true worldview from a Christian viewpoint, and they can see these uh, aspects much clearer than those who ignore prophecy.
0: And you know, to tell you the truth, I think, uh, seems to me at least, like some of the political leaders in the European Union... Uh, Have an idea of Bible prophecy, or if they don't, boy, they are falling into lockstep with that prophetic scenario laid out in God's Word, i.e., Tony Blair, who made a statement that with Obama's win, it opens the way for a new Middle East peace operation to continue on. Uh, Tony Blair, who you and I've talked about, could be well in position to lead the European Union in the near future, but he's also the peace envoy for the Middle East and responsible for bringing all the parties together, United States, European Union, Russia, and uh, the United Nations, to uh, somehow bring about a resolution to the situation in the Middle East.
2: You know, he's very much involved if it, actually, if you look at his history, you find an interesting aspect that goes along with what you've just said. <laughs> as a young man, he looked into the scriptures, he intently studied into the scriptures. He actually briefly attended seminary. He has always shown a real interest in the Bible, uh, but when he finished as prime minister of Britain. When he resigned, after that, he declared that he was a devout Roman Catholic, so of course he would have a different eschatological view because of his Roman Catholicism viewpoint. But the interesting thing is he has been into the Scriptures through most of his lifetime and been curious, and we could only wish and pray that he truly come to understand what they say.
0: By the way, the idea that Tony Blair converted to a Catholic religion, he's now a part of that religiosity that is headquartered in Rome, Italy. In the future, we're going to be taping a session with Dr. Rob Congdon about uh, where are the remnants of the old Roman Empire? So I just thought I'd bring that up for your attention. And speaking along those lines, I found out something this week I did not know, that Angela Merkel, who is the chancellor of Germany, her father was a pastor, and she made a statement this week uh, that uh, the world's most persecuted religion is Christianity. Very interesting thoughts.
2: Yes, it is. Uh, It certainly reflects some of her childhood. We also remember that she came from East Germany, which would have seen much of the problems that... uh Christians would face as a minority in the uh, Eastern Bloc and now in Europe as a whole. So her speaking out is very significant, and we always have to keep in the back of our mind that right now she is probably the most influential leader in the European Union in terms of a a national uh, head of a country. Uh, she is very powerful because germany is still doing well they're starting to see a bit of a recession slow down but they are still doing well compared to the other countries so they're in many ways not only is the country in the driver's seat in the eu but angela merkel is and so yes uh, very interesting her comments and the timing of her comments that we've seen recently
0: Dr. Rob Congdon, he's the man who looks at the European Union, the Eurozone, the entire continent of Europe, and helps us to understand how this region is very significant in the end-time scenario laid out in Bible prophecy. Rob, thank you so much. We'll talk again next week.
2: It's been good to be with you. Lord
0: bless. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll be talking to Dr. Renee Showers. What should we, as Christians, do in light of what has happened in the election process for President of the United States? Does God's Word speak to these issues? We'll have all of that ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right after the broadcast, we head out for Auburn, Alabama. Lakeview Baptist Church is where we're going to be all day tomorrow with Dr. Al Jackson and all of his fine people. 9.30, 10.45, 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock all day tomorrow, and then Monday evening as well. We'll be studying the prophetic Word of God. Hope you can come and join us. That's the Lakeview Baptist Church, Auburn, Alabama. In just a moment, I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Rennie Showers. We're just simply going to reflect on what God's Word says that we, as Christians, should do in light of the re-election of President Obama. I know many of us are disappointed, but what does God's Word exhort us to do? Keep the dial set right where it is, you'll be able to eavesdrop on that conversation. By the way, be sure to go to our website and answer the poll question, pretty long one today. Let me just give it to you right now. When a Christian reads Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, God's word tells us that all political leaders are in places of authority because God has placed them there. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 exhorts us to pray for those in political leadership. Revelation chapter 17, verse 17 tells us that God will use political leaders to fulfill his prophetic plan. Here's the question. Do you believe these verses are true and that God is still in charge of the future? Please go to our website, prophecytoday.com. There you can answer that poll question. You know, as I stop to reflect upon this recent presidential election and the re-election of President Obama, I have to be honest with you. As a Christian, I have some concerns. What about the next four years? How will this all play out? How will I, as a Christian, be able to go along with maybe some of the legislation that possibly could be passed and then signed by the President of the United States. Well, I thought it would be a good idea if we brought to these microphones a previous broadcast partner with us, Dr. Rennie Showers. He is a biblical scholar. He has studied church history as you look at church history over these last two thousand years and a very knowledgeable man and how with a world view capable of understanding what's happening in this world because of his understanding of the Bible. I thought it'd be great to bring him to these microphones and just have a conversation, an open conversation, let you ease drop on it. Rennie. thank you so much for joining us. And before I get into some of the particulars, would you just, as a born-again Bible-believing Christian, express some of your thoughts, your reaction to the re-election of President Obama?
7: Well, Jimmy, obviously I was disappointed uh, the way the uh, the election went and everything, and uh, you know, because uh, we have been praying and many other Christians have been praying too that the uh, election would have gone differently. A- as a result of this, I've looked at at uh, at least four different passages in the Bible. That uh, the first one is in Daniel chapter two, verses twenty and twenty-one, where it says that uh, God is the one who changes the times and the seasons, and he removes kings and raises up kings. And as you know, Paul in, in Romans 13 uh, said that uh, there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And uh, then in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, therefore I exert uh, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and and reverence. Then in 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 13 through 17, it says, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king or supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who uh, do good, for this is the will of God. Now, what these are clearly stating, Jimmy, is that God is the one who ultimately determines who rules and who does not rule. You know, and at first, as a Christian, that can be kind of confusing to us. He doesn't always give a nation what the the people of the nation would regard as a good ruler or leader. Absolutely, like in Isaiah chapter 3, because Israel was in so much rebellion against God, he made it very clear that he was going to give them bad rulers over them. So that, you know, the fact that so many Christians were praying for a different outcome for this election, uh, we have to... Again, regard the fact that God is in sovereign control. And for some reason, uh, he has controlled it in such a way that President Obama was reelected again as a president of a nation. It's, it's interesting, too, to, to uh, look at this. We are to submit uh, to the uh, God ordained authorities that or God puts in authority over us, and we are to obey uh, what they indicate are going to be the laws of the land. But from my understanding of Scripture, there's one exception to that, and that is if they begin requiring you uh, to submit to things that are completely in opposition to the moral absolutes of God, that's when we have to say we must obey God rather than man.
0: You know, when you think that through... Uh, that would lead me then to my next question, or a three-part question to you, as it relates to the President administration under President Obama and the future four years. I think there are three major issues upon which I make a decision how I vote for a candidate, but I think these are the three main issues that uh, any government may deal with, and we need to have a proper understanding, and I think we'd apply that principle Uh, you had to decide whether we obey man or we obey God. We have to obey the consequences if man does not like our decision. Let me talk about those three principles, those three issues. Abortion, number one, and I believe Jeremiah 1, 5 tells us that life does not begin at birth, even at conception, but in the mind of God. So, abortion has to be murder. Sodomy, when you go back to Genesis, you see that the Lord wiped out an entire society there in Sodom and Gomorrah because of sodomy. And I I like that uh, term better than homosexuality, but it's uh, men with men making love and women with women doing the same thing. And Romans chapter one seems to say that anybody who agrees and approves that type of thing have been turned over to a reprobate mind, which I believe our president and the vice president as well have agreed yeah. that that should be the case, so they would have a reprobate mind. And then, of course, Israel, I think the third issue in Genesis 12:3 3 says uh, those who bless Israel will be blessed, those who curse them will be cursed. What are your thoughts about those three major issues and our standing against those types of things, even with whoever may be president?
7: Yes, we have to. Uh, You know, as I indicated earlier, we are required by God to follow his moral absolutes. And I don't know if you uh, knew of this or not, but back in the fall of 2009, there were many evangelical Christian leaders and even Roman Catholic leaders who got together and produced what was called the Manhattan Declaration, in which they were pointing out these things that, uh, the, the president administration of the United States was enforcing upon the nation these things that uh, fly uh, uh, in contrast to the moral absolutes of God, and that this government, it looked like, was going to enforce even uh, churches and other religious organizations to conform to what the government was dictating. These leaders, both Roman Catholic and evangelical church leaders, banded together and produced a declaration. And they said, we must obey God rather than man. And so when man conflicts with what God ordains, that's where we have to take our stand. And we want to make that very clear, you know, to our present administration.
0: Well, and then what do you think as Christians we can do? You were talking about praying before the election. I understand what it tells us in First Timothy 2, after somebody is in that leadership role. And I want to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but uh, what can we do beyond prayer? How do we put feats to our prayers as it relates to these very central biblical issues?
7: Well, for one thing, you know, as Christian leaders, we have to keep uh, teaching very clearly, you know, in our churches and as we have opportunity to society in general, that there is a sovereign God who's omnipotent control. And sometimes he gives uh, a kind of leader... uh, as a form of judgment upon a nation. Many of the, the secular analysts, uh, since the uh, election took place on Tuesday, are saying, well, we have to recognize that the uh, population of our nation is changing radically, and, you know, with Hispanics coming in and other people and that type of thing, and that, that therefore that's why uh, this man was reelected again along those lines. And, and there's truth to that. But on the other hand, uh, there's, there's also the truth that our nation I, I'm ob- absolutely convinced as a historian our nation began to make a major uh, change in outlook and everything beginning in the 1960s. We had uh, radical professors and universities begin teaching things completely contrary to the God of the Bible. Interestingly, as a result of that, starting the 1960s, some of those students who were taught that are the ones that are now in our government. When God sometimes will put in a leader as a form of judgment upon a nation uh, for going completely contrary to his moral absolutes. So that, yes, there is there is fact that our population has been changing in many respects, and many people, if they've got a government that's going to... Uh, give them many things that they want and everything, those are the the government leaders they're going to vote for. From a biblical viewpoint, God raises up political leaders and everything over a nation, and sometimes to judge a nation that has been going completely contrary to God, rejecting God and his uh, moral precepts and everything that he's given. And in the moral ones that you indicated, Jimmy, you're right. Uh, You look at this, how abortion now becoming legal, and what irritates me is that I, as a citizen, am forced to help pay for that through the taxes that I'm paying. And it's completely contrary to my moral concepts. You know, even David, in Psalm 51, verse 5, indicated that he had a sin nature from the moment of conception in his mother's womb, which said that he was a complete human being in the womb of his mother, we have to take a stand against these moral absolutes that are being violated even by dictative government, but it means, therefore, we have to take the consequences that may come upon us, you know, for taking those kind of stands in line with what God has, has indicated.
0: Yes, I think that is the approach for a Christian as we look at the results of the re of President Obama. Uh, You said something, I think, uh, very important. Well, you said a lot of things important, but uh, at the outset you talked about the responsibility of those of us who teach the Word of God. Keep teaching the biblical principles. No matter which way society goes, we must keep teaching biblical principles. And all those Hispanics and the blacks who voted for uh, the candidate, we did not uh, want to come to power once again. In fact, they need to be taught as well what God's Word has to say and live within that type of a lifestyle. Well, let me conclude, and quickly if we can, Rennie, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, I exhort thee, first of all, to pray for those that are in higher authority so we'll be able to live quiet, peaceful, godly lives, and ultimately win people to Jesus Christ. That's where we should go from here, right?
7: Absolutely. To uh, try to reach people who are unsaved with the gospel so their lives can be changed through faith in, in Jesus Christ, but then, in light of that, to really make clear to them what God is sovereign over everything that takes place throughout history, and he's laid down moral absolutes that he will not change whatsoever. And any society is going to begin moving against those moral absolutes. God is going to bring judgment upon that society.
0: Amen and amen. Dr. Rennie Showers, thinking out loud with us, we as Christians, as we face the next four years under the leadership of President Barack Obama, and what we need to do according to biblical principles laid out for us in God's Word. Rennie, thank you so very much, my good friend. God bless, and we'll talk again down the line, I'm sure. Same to you, Jimmy. Thank you so much, Dr. Showers, for that conversation and bringing to our thinking these passages of Scripture so key as we respond to the re-election of President Obama. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll take a look at the book along these same lines of thinking right here on Prophecy Today.
4: Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy to understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, a Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy Young aid you in your understanding of this profound end times prophecy book that God has preserved in his scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy Young's Revelation, a Chronology, call us toll free at 877-674-3298, or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. It's
0: time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, we heard from our broadcast partners from around the world on how this world is reacting to the re-election of President Obama. We went to Washington, D.C., Ken Temmerman, Question the truth about the unfolding story on Benghazi, and he also had a question about the Obama Middle East policy for the future. David Dolan in the Middle East covering the Middle East News update told us how Israeli leaders were responding, and of course, there is concern with these Israeli leaders for U.S. policy in the region. Wiki Madad gave us a more in-depth look at the election results as it relates to the political leadership in Israel and how the main focus now today must be on the Iranian threat. Itamar Marcus focused on the Palestinian media, both the print media and the electronic media. He said the Palestinians are somewhat optimistic about their future with President Obama in the White House. Dr. Rob Congdon, he focuses on the European Union. He said European Union leaders were very happy with Obama's reelection because it would advance their agenda. They have the same political philosophy, and they're pleased with the results. And Dr. Rennie Showers and I had a conversation reflecting on what we as Christians must remember from God's Word as it relates to human government. All of these conversations can be heard at Prophecy Today Radio Network, PTRN, on our website, prophecytoday.com. Go there, and you'll be able to listen to any of the conversations by these broadcast partners. May I suggest that you call a friend, tell them about the conversations that I had with these men. They gave us great insight into the results, and then the response uh, to the election, the presidential election this last Tuesday. Again, that site to go to prophecytoday.com. That's our website. Then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. It's radio when you want it, at your convenience, when it's good for you to be able to listen. But if you will, I want you to think about several things just for a moment. Let me bring to your memory some very important biblical thoughts. God instituted human government. Now, that's the bottom line. God brought human government into existence about 4,500 years ago. That's Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Another truth we need to think about is that God has, is, and will use human government. I could give you many examples of that particular truth, The past and the present, of course, we have seen and witnessed and have already recorded how God is doing that. But let me tell you that God is going to use human government in the future as well. You'll see that this is the case as we think about a couple of verses together first of all, let me just focus on the European Union. I could talk about the Middle East, what's going to happen, the alignment of the nations, all of these nations coming together to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. I could give you information that'll help you understand that we're very close to that happening. But let me just focus on the European Union just a second. I would suggest to you, and Dr. Rob Congdon and I are in agreement on this, that the European Union is at least the infrastructure. Structure for the revived Roman Empire. Now let me go to the scriptures. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7 talks about the Roman Empire coming into existence. In Daniel 7, Daniel the prophet had a dream and he was able to see into the future. He looked and he saw the Babylonian Empire, that would be a winged lion, chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. Then he saw a bear with three ribs in his mouth, That would be the Medo-Persian Empire. Following that, he saw the Grecian Empire, represented by a leopard with four heads and four wings. When he comes to verse 7 of Daniel chapter 7, he sees an awesome beast, and that has to be in retrospect as you look back through history, the Roman Empire. But this Roman Empire had ten horns. The ten horns, defined in chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, as a powerful kingdom that comes together and rules the entire world without going very deep into our study, let me just suggest to you that is the revived Roman Empire. Now go back to chapter 7 and verse 8 of Daniel, and you see a little horn comes out of these ten horns. That is one of 27 names for the Antichrist. In chapter 7, verse 8, the little horn is the Antichrist. He's referred to as the prince that shall come in chapter 9 and verse 26. Then in chapter 11, verse 36, he's talked about as the willful king. Jesus Christ in his Olivet discourse, Matthew chapter 24, refers to the Antichrist as a false messiah. In 2 Thessalonians, The Bible tells us the Apostle Paul referred to him as the wicked one, the man of sin, and indeed he is defined there as the Antichrist. Over in chapter 13, verse 1 of the book of Revelation, he's the beast out of the sea. But I've got to remind you, his name, most familiar to each of us, is talked about in 1 John chapter 2, and again, that name is the Antichrist. So as we watch the results of these elections affecting the European Union and the excitement there, because now their agenda can go forward, we see the next thing to happen, basically, is the Antichrist to appear. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we find out that the Antichrist, and by the way, Revelation chapter 13, a very detailed passage of Scripture on the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be empowered, energized by Satan. Antichrist will be a man who will be energized with Satan giving him his seat of authority and his power. In chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, the Antichrist will rule over a false church, located in Rome, Italy. I was there just recently and was very aware of the fact that everything is set up for that false church to be in place from the seven-hilled city of Rome, Italy. In chapter 17 of Revelation, verse 16, the revived Roman Empire comes to power and destroys that false church. Well, you're seeing what God's Word has to say about the end times. Let me tell you what happens before all of this, though the rapture of the church takes place. Remember, the political does set the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And these recent elections will indeed set the stage for all of Bible prophecy that I've suggested today is about to be fulfilled. But again, I remind you, the rapture is next. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up
4: until...